one. Welcome, Lucy, in this expert interview series that I'm going to rebrand the next time as I discuss. Uh, Lucy is a great writer, a coach, and a really, really dear friend. Uh, do you remember how did we start our first conversation? Yes, I believe we do. <laughs> I, I do. We met over Medium. Yeah. And I think I read one of your articles and now I can't remember whether it was you applying to write for my um, publication that I set up recently, but I think it that might be. It. Yeah, that was it. Um, yeah. And I remember since the beginning, it was like a very deep conversation. I, I was so interested in your thoughts and I was like, whoa, such an interesting uh, mindset and the, and the things you were discussing. And if I remember correctly, that article of yours was something about um, connecting with the feminine, even for a man, that there is a feminine side of us, the intuition and how to align to it. And I was so impressed, actually. The, it was, I think, the first time that I read a male author writing about such a deep subject that touches the feminine, you know, the intuition. So I was impressed you became my writer for the publication and that's how we got yeah. to talk, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember the uh, title of the article, but I definitely remember what you mentioned that it was about balancing your uh, masculine and feminine energies. Yeah. So, and yeah, immediately you connected. I, it, I, I, I don't know if I'm remembering correctly, but maybe you commented or that's how i'm i'm remembering the whole conversation you commented that it feels like we have met in the previous birth or something <laughs> yeah yeah and i remember then we started kind of reading each other's work more and more yeah. of it and we found even more connections and you know within that masculine feminine balance what was so interesting for me was that I'm, I'm noticing in my life this set of synchronicities like sometimes I meet people at certain time in my life and it seems that it falls into place with the topics that I'm addressing myself and when you wrote that article about uh, feminine masculine and how to balance it exactly um, that week I've done um, uh, an assessment that looks at the feminine and masculine from Tony Robbins so to me, mm. that was like an amazing synchronicity. Tony Robbins brought the topic, you know, and I started um, observing it more. And then I read this fascinating article on, uh, of yours. So yeah, that, that, was, that was really interesting for me. And then all these connections, so that was cool. I don't remember who was it. Yeah, so it, it was Jennifer. Uh, she's, a, she's also a life coach. She has been trained as a life coach and as a comedian. We had her on this uh, interview series like two weeks ago so she mm -hmm. mentioned something about this tony robbins and i've been studying online it for a bit now uh, how a lot of people don't agree with how tony robbins you know uh, portray the masculine feminine energy particularly yeah. that topic yeah have you, have you read about any controversies around that but is this around the feminine and masculine uh, from tony robbins not not in general but particularly yeah. from yeah about this topic yes so actually i i remember doing an assessment which was uh, which was looking more deep into how we connect each of those energies and how they interplay together but at the time i actually connected with the subject but mm. i i started kind of studying it from different sources so i would say that tony was the first um point of you know the the source of information at the time for me yeah. but 
Uh, I myself as a coach, as a person, I don't find Tony's ways of coaching, ways of expressing that resonant with me myself. So um, mm. perhaps I wouldn't connect with him entirely on this subject um, as well, because interestingly, he talks about yeah. this balancing of energies, but his way of coaching, I find it super masculine in a way that it presents mm. itself. And also that what I've seen and where I didn't connect is that I think it tends to look very pushy. It's the kind of coaching where a person comes and they tell you, this is your one way to success. But actually what I believe through coaching is about is going back to the person. So if I'm coaching you, I would go back to you and ask you, what do you think your way to your success would be? Because we are eventually the ones to design it for ourselves. And this masculine principle, I'm just reading one book about it, which is great. Also touches based on a subject. And it says that, um, you know, the masculine all over the centuries, the way that the energy was kind of presenting, it was more aggressive and it leads to dominance. And I think that uh, this kind of just pushing through one part of this, um, you know, the, 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 the aspect, which is yeah. masculine, it, it may actually be misleading as well, because if we lose mm. that contact with the intuition, if we don't allow people to choose for themselves how they want to progress, it may actually take them off the track of where they want to go. So this is where I don't connect with Tony's ways of teaching. Mm. I'm sure he wants people to succeed, but it may come across as pushing their own you know, like um, opinions and, and ways of doing things. And this is where I don't really connect. Can, can I share how I see this? So I see this, I see this more of mentorship than coaching. So when you're doing mentoring session, you want somebody to follow you and you want to lead the whole session, right? Mm -hmm. So if like, like, let's say uh, I'm an expert in podcasting, let's say, and you want to start your podcast and you come to me, mm -hmm. that might not be a coaching agreement. That might be a mentorship agreement. And I would, I would want to tell you, you know what I would do this three things. Yeah. Even if you hate it, do this, do this, do this, because this is the goal you want to achieve. So I think whatever Tony Robbins is doing, again, obviously people are getting amazing results, right? The majority of them are. That's why he's so popular yeah. and uh, so, yeah, so popular. But then again, uh, the question, what I feel is important to ask is, is that coaching or is that something else? Because a lot mm -hmm. of time we call it coaching, which it is not. And then, you know, it kind of goes on to derail from the main topic. Like, for example, if you don't have a certification, you're not a therapist, no matter how good are you with psychology. psychology. Yeah. Right? So uh, what I feel uh, to be a coach, you need either or both of these two things. Number one, training or certification, any training, even without certification, training or certification and having your own coach. If you have neither of these, I don't think that what you're doing. It's very interesting outlook. And I really agree with you, especially on the first part, you know, the mentoring and coaching, they are really different principles. And this is what I do in my professional life. So on part of the things I've been a coach, the other part of thing, 
is actually being a mentor, but in the business world, we call it consultant or uh, okay, consultancy yeah. slash advisory. So I think that yeah. what they might be doing is more of a consultancy because consultant is a subject matter expert. It's a person who yeah. comes to you as an individual or to a company and they tell you exactly what steps to follow to reach a very, very specific goal. So like if company within certain niche wants to increase their profit, that consultant know exactly what the process is because they know the market, mm. know the kind of industry with the amount of employee, with the product. If you do this and that, you reach the goal but it's not coaching coaching would be when the company starts and really doesn't know what to do and wants to even figure out what are their goals when they want to reach they want to figure out why they are making mistakes so things like that so coach approaches it from a completely different way and this was like my uh, professional uh, identity struggle at the beginning because when I started doing <laughs> coaching I figured you know, yeah <laughs> I, I was yeah, go, doing go, completely go. different thing. Yeah, as a consultant, you come with that expertise. As a consultant, you end up giving advice for everything. People ask you questions, you are supposed to answer for them. As a coach, yeah. people ask you questions, you are not supposed to give them your answers. And you're, you know, <laughs> so it's a completely different approach. It can be confusing. And I see many coaches or people who like to call themselves coaches. They are not coaches because they are pushing their own opinions and yeah. it's even kind of not allowing people to express themselves fully. So those mm. results that they come, they are the coaches' results, you know, yeah. because they are they are given by uh, already given uh, some guidance or something, but they are not making that person to kind of grow themselves and connect more to themselves. Yeah. So actually, I'm a little charged up about this topic because I just had a conversation with a friend. Uh, we know uh, he's a mutual friend, Upman New. So I was explaining to him uh, how coaching and mentorship and consulting is different. So what I told him was, coaching helps you figure out yourself, reconnect with yourself. Mentorship is when you are, let's say you are a CEO and you want to learn marketing. So you'll come to me mm -hmm. and I'll teach you marketing or I'll mentor mm -hmm. you on, you know, like let's say how to grow your audience on LinkedIn. Consulting is you have a company and you want my expertise in marketing mm -hmm. and I'm an expert. You don't want to learn marketing. You want to use my expertise. You want to you yes. know, leverage and outsource it. That's how yes. I say it. So coaching necessarily is reconnecting with, uh, reconnecting client with his, uh, with their own self and giving them their own results. I'm glad mm -hmm. you're on the same page. Obviously we're on the same page. So, <laughs> uh, Anyway, I, I, this is one of the topics I wanted to discuss because uh, that was probably the first time I wrote about, uh, you know, balancing uh, masculine and feminine energy. And since the last one year, so I've always lived my life like an extreme, either this or that kind of person. Mm -hmm. But for the last one year, I've been discovering a lot about what are different areas where we need to, you know, balance things out. And the more I look into stuff, the more I see that everything needs to be balanced just out. And how I see is balances are not usually 50-50. They're usually 51-49. Mm -hmm. And we discussed this with, uh, with the last interview we had. So, for example, yeah. I know you're a spiritual person. Let's lay it out there right away. So, I believe the balance with what uh, the universe is doing and what 
I am doing is 5149. Mm-hmm. Like I control 49% of the time. But at the same time, yeah. universe has a little, a, a little more control than me on my destiny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So likewise about this masculine and feminine energy, that's what I feel like, you know, it's probably 5149. Like you need both of them at certain times. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I absolutely agree. Um, and, and I think that's kind of a key to our happiness and ultimate peace to finding that balance in our, in our lives. And yeah, just to maybe elaborate more on that, um, even when we talk about like Tony uh, Robbins uh, approach yeah. and maybe that somewhere, you know, people, w- what they do or what businesses do is they um, use some of those energies more. If they are using it to an extreme, that's where usually a problem comes. And uh, now I work um, in my profession more um, on the consulting side than more on a coaching side with businesses, mm-hmm. with loads of businesses. And what I see is where businesses start to fail is if they become too kind of overdominant and aggressive, which means that that masculine energy is presenting itself way too much without then use, using an intuition. I'm just reading an amazing book by actually a friend and uh, an amazing author, a very visionary person. He's called Giles Hutchins. And he, he wrote a beautiful book, which also talks on a subject. It's called a um, an illusion of separation and it mm. talks about how we separated ourselves from each other and also from the universe and also from nature and that leads us now to exploiting natural resources rather than appreciating the earth that we have around us and by that separation um, we created this gap and now it's very difficult for people to come back to the previous state, which is to use their intuition, to still be connected to everything, to appreciate that everything around us actually has a soul, that everything is an energy. So going back to the subject, the, the reason is that people became too kind of overwhelmed with that masculinity. And yeah. what is what is missing as a feminine side? That's our intuition. That's our connection to not just our mind. So that masculine principle means rational mind. And this is what we coaches try to do with people when we try to disconnect them purely from using their minds and thinking, mm. which could actually be toxic and limiting and make them understand that they are not just their minds. Obviously, mind is that. And it is also good for us. We need to use it. So I'm not saying, or we shouldn't be saying, you need to completely disconnect from your mind yeah, and just yeah. use your heart and intuition. That wouldn't work either. That would completely derail people as well. There has to be balance. But what I was saying, and what also Giles is saying in his book, he's elaborating on how we can change the world by unifying the two principles. So it's a really beautiful book. I, I um, recommend a lot. So um, it's about understanding how everything connects together and everything connects together even within that feminine masculine principle so if you look at that um, for ourselves if we want to be I believe successful or, or happy we we cannot keep overthinking in our mind we need to also deeply look at how we feel towards a certain subject. But once that we understand how we feel, then we need to use our brain to start actioning on it. So they are intertwined, they work together. We just need to find that balance. And just as you said, 51, 49. Actually, I'm interested. Why is it 40, 49, 51? <laughs> uh, so that's what I, uh, so I don't know, again, it's just a theory that I'm looking into. Like it's my personal mm-hmm. theory. Uh, so I was talking with uh, this uh, coach Jeff. He came in uh, the last interview. 
he's a creativity yeah. coach and he's a parent so discussing parenting as well so i was discussing that it seems to me that it's like 51 49 kind of relationship that you want to uh, let your child you know explore things on their own but at the same time you being the adult knows certain things that might be harmful for them so you mm-hmm. may want to have like 51 49 kind of relationship instead of 50 50 relation and mm-hmm. the, the same thing we know about uh, how we surrender or how we pray to the universe to the god to the higher power that uh, obviously we have control we are co-creating this reality but at the same time it feels kind of liberating to know that even if i am in control almost half of my destiny it's not exactly half like somebody a lot more wise than me has a little upper hand like not too much mm-hmm. but a little upper hand mhm i understand okay it's very very interesting and i also agree with this and i think because we live in a dual universe dual as in we always get a taste of good and bad you know the sorrow and the happiness there's always going to be a mix and i think it would never be 50-50 it could be even 30 and 70 at times you know and 40 and 60 because yeah i think that that's the perfect in the imper- imperfect world right that um it doesn't have to be 50-50 for it to be great and i think yeah. also like if i look at my life um often i felt there were times when i felt that i was kind of out of control that you know say universe took me somewhere and i was just the receiver couple of months back a lot of things changed in my life and some of that was by choice by the other thing it was like events happened the situation happened and i ended up somewhere so at the time it would feel like 70% i was not in control 70% was the upper hand 30% was kind of my um little impact but then there were times when i felt that 70% it's me creating my reality and i think that's the beauty of living that it's the experience it's that journey like it doesn't stay the same and we always have so much to To, to experience in different ways um let me pause you that. let me pause you here and you know introduce another theory that i'm again testing and this is how i test theory you know talk to some experts or been yeah. doing some work on it what i feel is the relationship start with 51 49 kind of a any relationship especially romantic relationship with 51 49 kind of setting where somebody yeah. initiates a little more than the other person mm-hmm. but eventually it goes to 100 100 partnership it's not a 50 50 partnership a relationship seems to be a 100 100 partnership where both of them needs to give the 100% yeah and that kind of feels like again it's a half big theory that feels like something yeah. that that probably would be how we are uh, doing this partnership with the universe i don't believe it could be 49 51 it 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 needs to be 100 100 if we needs to make something really magical and beautiful mm yeah i would actually sit with this i think for a few days and think on that it's a very deep thought that you've given <laughs> sure let me know how it turns out for you i've been thinking yeah, about it yeah. for a while now yeah anyway so uh, yeah go um, on i'm just i i just think you know that also um let's say that person or our, our involvement in anything depends on how well we know each other 
And I think the more powerful that experience becomes then. So for instance, um, I can give you an example of two people. So in uh, one scenario, it's me who I'm, I'm living my life and I think that I'm living it to the fullest, but still I don't know who I am. So I don't have a sense of identity. And also that was my past where I used to think that uh, I was not worth enough of certain things, certain experiences. And I felt really limited within myself. And these are the things that I worked on later on. So maybe at the point, my kind of power level, the energy that I was emitting to the universe, it might have been somewhere around 30% of my capacity. Okay. So what the universe does, it responds with an equal amount of energy or with the you know frequency that I'm emitting. So if I was on that 30%, what I was receiving back from the universe couldn't have exceeded that 30%, right? But the more that I understood myself, the more that I understood that actually I've got so much, um, so much capacity to create, and that I, I, I realized this like an ultimate truth for myself in my life that I'm a creator, not just in terms of a people who writes and people who likes to coach and who likes to help, but that really I'm a part of this beautiful cosmos, and I've got as much power as I allow myself to believe that I have. So here's a similar thought to this, whatever you're mentioning. Uh, isn't this how every romantic relation is supposed to be? It's not always going to be 50-50, let's say, in uh, normal mathematics. Yeah. Sometimes it would be like 30-70 yeah. and maybe 10-90 because sometimes the other partner would need more support from this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it could well be. And if you look at the relationship, well, it's not romantic, but relationships between the mother and the child, yeah. for instance. That's always that we could call it imbalance, but in fairness, it's the right kind of relationship. It would be like 80-20, and then it balances out, and it can be 100-100. Once that both, both people are adults, once the child grows and becomes an adult, that, that relationship sh- shifts from 80-20. And actually, both of those people are capable enough of creating, and it becomes 100-100. In terms of romantic relationship, I don't think I'm such an expert in the area as you are. I haven't maybe given it so much thought, but but yeah, I think that that, that should be an ultimate goal at least, because so in here, the beginning. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm uh, understanding from what you mentioned. And it, it's beautiful how it could seem like an imbalance from the outside because it is an imbalance from our outside. Like, you know, a mother yeah. always remains a mother. She'll be caring even mm-hmm. if she is 90, you know, but that's how orthodox, you know, like a classical example of mother would be. Uh, yeah. But then again, the child of the mother would be the parent to somebody else. And he will have the same balance with somebody else or same imbalance mm-hmm. with somebody else. So it may yeah. seem imbalanced when you consider it as an individualistic relationship, like just considering this one relation. But if you're looking as a whole, it balances itself out. It's like a mm-hmm. dark of energy. Yeah, that's a beautiful thought. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for recommending that book about oneness because I've been wanting to embrace that one fact, this is the concept of oneness because I felt on this, on the spiritual path, I am, this was the next step I could see, you know, from where I'm standing, but mm-hmm. also I had no idea how to practice. I, I knew it in the theory, like everybody is mm-hmm. supposed to be one or uh, separation creates all the fear that we have and if you want mm-hmm. to be 
in the zone of love it's when we practice oneness when we consider that each and every individual is one at one level yeah. so i'll start with that book but so far this is the book i'm reading uh, it's actually mm-hmm. a 40 day practice by gabriel bonstein may cause miracles mm-hmm. one of the deepest book i've studied with practical uh, what do you call it like practical assignments it's like yeah. you need to do one assignment every day for 40 days i'm on like 26 27th day right now so beautiful uh anyway uh how does it feel i, I mean with the with the exercises is the book challenging you is it supposed to challenge you and yeah it's supposed to trigger you because that's how okay. any healing begins uh-huh Okay. Would you want to share something? I'm just interested to know a little sure, bit. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, one thing that I have realized is uh, for any healing to be done, I, I don't know about physical and doctor stuff, but from internal healing to be done, there needs mm-hmm. to be a little trigger present. Mm-hmm. If you're not triggered, if you don't have pain, you'll not cure it. So likewise, let's yeah. say you have some paralysis. Let's say. and you suddenly got a cut on your leg and you're not even feeling it how do you know that you need to take care of it right mm-hmm. so you need to feel some pain in order to heal it it's i don't yeah. know how medical people will see it but uh, yeah. that's what i feel how internal healing would happen so this mm-hmm. book uh could be a really bad influence on someone who is not ready to do the work so mm-hmm. i would definitely not recommend it to someone who is just starting their journey on you know spirituality or healing process because uh-huh. they wouldn't know what to do with so many different you know so what it basically happens is when you look deep inside you see how flawed you are yeah how uh, cruel your past has been to others to yourself doesn't really matter but you when you look mm-hmm. it with a lens that how unkind you have been in your past Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a lot triggering yeah so, it takes the capacity for us to have compassion with ourselves which previously we had to train isn't it i think that when more, most people start their spiritual journeys their awakening of the fact of who all they are and mostly it starts with us feeling so uh, amazed by who we are and who we can be and that's just the beginning and then that deep phase which i think takes so much longer is us um understanding our shadows and the things that we do wrong so once we are ready to understand who we are the universe presents this beautiful garden of this is who you are this is who you can be but then it takes us through this alley which is dark with all the shadows yeah. with all the things that we do wrong to people and that's when it starts to train our capacity are you able to look at yourself face your shadows and correct them and i think that here's from my experience where many people stop because it makes them feel bad and it takes a lot of mental power to be able to look at ourselves and acknowledge you know this is who i am and i yeah. want to improve and even acknowledge and de- deal with the pain and process the pain and i think that this is really hard for us because many of us have been trained to put the pain aside uh to try to silence it to pause it to reject it to pretend it's not there rather than to yeah. say okay it's there 
and I just need to embrace it. I need to accept it and I need to move on. And I think I completely agree with what you, I can get a feel, the energetic feel, the way you presented it. I sense the energy now of how that book would be for me. And I completely understand, like it definitely takes some kind of maturity, spiritual maturity to be able to go even more deep because we are kind of bathing in that pain and wounds and we we are opening in them so we can close them, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so it, it's basically like uh, we have uh, distracted ourselves from those wounds and, you know, those uh, wounds and we had put, by dissection, I mean, we didn't put the medicine it's required for us mm-hmm. to heal in that area. We just put a bandaid over there. So yeah. We have to rip off the bandaid and it's painful. It's always painful to rip off the bandage. Yeah. But it is what it was required at that moment to stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. First. But now that the bleeding has reduced, you can rip off the bandage. You can work on healing it, doing the stitches mm-hmm. and all that you need to do. But uh, yeah, so I, I totally believe that, you know, you are being represented with what you need at the very moment. Mm-hmm. right at the moment you need it because there have been mm-hmm. so many books that I have bought purchased at a certain time but because it was not my time to read them uh, I have noticed or seen myself giving it away to somebody else as a gift mm-hmm. otherwise my principle has been that I don't want to gift anyone any book that I haven't read myself because I want to make sure that you know it's the best fit for them Mm-hmm. But I've seen myself breaking that rule because somebody came to me and said, oh, I have heard about this book. Can I take it or can you give it to me or stuff like that? Or like, let's say uh, I don't have any more, any books that I want to give except this one to somebody. So they came and I gave it to them. But then I also see myself reading that book like after two or three years. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. I usually have the same. And... Yeah. Uh, I, if I had read this book, I guess three years ago, I wouldn't have gained anything from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And isn't it as well that sometimes when you try, for me, it's always been my rational mind that pushes me. It's like, you got this. Now you are supposed to read it, right? And then I start and it doesn't resonate or it actually triggers me to a point. I, I, I cannot name a specific book that has done that, but I remember in the past a couple of books I started reading them and I actually felt so uncomfortable some even made me angry so it was a sign I wasn't ready for it I got I got this energy like what is that and then I would revisit that book in say three to five years sometimes even longer and I finally understand one of such books and it's one of the biggest challenges for my personal challenges was to learn to live in the present moment because um, Mm. the person that I am you know, with all my traits, um, um, my, my energy, the way I built myself, I was much more masculine in the way that I presented myself with like powerful woman, right? Sometimes to an extent where I disconnected from my intuition and it drove me to a point where I just couldn't be in a present moment because I was using my logics too much. I was being too rational, planning everything. I wanted everything to happen. And I forgot to live, to truly live because I wasn't in the moment. <laughs> So yeah. I got this book from my mom, from Egg, uh, Eckhart Tolle, um, The Power, Power of, of Now. Now. Yeah, that's one book that and I have purchased four times and I've given it away every time I bought it. I haven't had a really? chance to read it so far. 
it's never been my time so far so that probably it's the yeah. and it's it's a really difficult book to be honest i mean for for us who maybe are not ready for this subject or maybe we are finding different ways to it sometimes the authors they have a specific language not every author is supposed to speak to us like as you know as a writer yourself you have a way of writing you may um be able to address thousand people but there might be one who just wouldn't understand you and that's perfectly fine that's just the way it is the same with me um yeah. and the same with Eckhart right there would be people who would be trying to find mistakes or criticize him or things like that but they're they're just not meant to read his books um i, I believe and for me that the, the thing with the book was my mom got me that book and my mom she's spiritual but in more religious way so when she got me this book and i knew that it's deeply spiritual well i was actually fascinated i was like whoa my mom got me this book so yeah. i was actually excited to read it but i could never fully absorb the words and I had friends from the past telling me about this book. I had at least three to four people from in different parts of my life telling me, so have you read that book? And I was like, oh, of course, I know the book. I've got it. So have you read it? No. <laughs> and and uh, I just got to reading it last year. And I finally, and you know what's interesting? It was absolutely the right time because last year uh, it was in the midst of um, the quarantine and covid and that was the time mm. when I finally was ready and I had to start um, addressing this topic of staying present. And I actually think that in my own way, I learned so much about it. Uh, but And I think it started with me being ready and facing the challenge. So for instance, I remember that I used to be this person who had something in my mind like a plan. So I would rush certain activities in a day I would consciously rush things. I wouldn't allow them to go in a flow. I would rush. I would rush to a bus. I would rush to wash the dishes so I can watch the cereal, so I can go out with somebody. So I couldn't be in the, in the present moment fully. I was always kind of trying to rewind it, forward it, or, you know, this kind of thing. And when the COVID hit, something in me started the challenge, why am I rushing so much? Because I, because I realized that when I do that, it gives me this, um, uh, it gives me anxiety. Like I feel anxiety. Dude, inside. same. 100% same. 100%. Yeah. Even the so, timelines you know, are same. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? And then I started looking, okay, so I have this inner anxiety. I started looking at my feelings. I think that's where it all got triggered. I was like, why do I feel so anxious? You yeah. know, and I started looking into that. And then I was like, okay, I'm rushing things, but why am I rushing things? Where, what is there to rush for? And there was nothing to rush for actually last year. Nothing was happening. I had no reason to be so like triggered. And then I was like, so why are you rushing? I Once I found myself washing dishes and it's not something that I disliked. Or I, it was actually an activity that was okay for me, mm -hmm. but I had this tendency to quickly do that. And maybe that also meant not doing it properly. And then, then I started having this inner conversation with myself, like, well, why to rush this? Like, just try to be there. And that was my first experience of not trying to rush the present moment. And you know what? The learning, the ultimate learning is that I found even washing dishes, such a beautiful time spent with myself, like in silence with the things. And I understood that by doing that and staying present we are actually giving respect to everything that there is so whatever we do whether we just write an email or 
whether we just you know look up uh, down in the in the nature or on the valley or we are listening to somebody with our full presence even if what they are sharing it 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 doesn't make us ecstatic let's say even if it's just being there that means we are giving respect to everything that there is and if we are yeah. forwarding the moment or or thinking back of the past while we are in the present moment it's we are disrespecting that reality around us and that was the ultimate change for me because i realized that there really is no reason to rush and even if i wouldn't make it to the bus even if i would be two minutes late for an interview but if i disrespect my present moment by you know whatever i'm trying to rush it's not right and it taught me to be more in the flow by just accepting you know and embracing whatever that is and it makes yeah. everything so much more joyful and that for me was life-changing and when i started i had this uh, washing dishes experience and after that i just happened to like blindly look at my um um library book library I just came to the living room with some food and I happened to look in the library after a year and my eyes, they just sharply seen that book, The Power of Now. And I got that book out. I was like, whoa, that was a sign I was ready. So that's Ultimate how death. my journey with started. See, so it cannot work other ways, isn't it? We cannot force ourselves to read something we are not ready for. It would anyway not serve us, right? And uh, here is the... So... I hope I'm quoting the correct book. So it's from the book, uh, A Monk's Guide to a Clean House and Mind. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like a short book, like only yeah. 150 pages or so. Really peaceful vibes. And okay, so this is one thing that I've discovered in the last one year. Uh, so I've read like a dozen books by different monks. And every book I pick, I get some soothing and calm vibes from the book itself. It, it, it's, it's like, you know, you put a part of yourself when you're writing it, right? So anyway, coming to the point, uh, in that book, I guess uh, that monk, it, it's by a Buddhist monk. I, I don't remember his name. Uh, mm -hmm. So he mentions, you know, like how cleaning is a spiritual activity mm -hmm. and how Buddhist monks spend more, like a lot of their time every single day just on cleaning because it, it, it reminds them how they need to clean their mind, their soul and everything involved. So it, it's like they never rush, you know, like if I have to uh, clean this wall and if nobody's seeing this, it doesn't really matter. I'm not here to, you know, like clean this for others. I'm here to clean because when I clean this, I clean my mind, I clean my spirit. Mm -hmm. So that was a really good book and why I started uh, smiling a little bit was because this is the kind of reminder I guess I needed at the moment. I'm struggling a little bit to <laughs> cook. I want to cook, but it, it's just that routine is a little bit here and there. Yeah. Uh, but it's a good time to read the book again so I get some more internal, mm -hmm. external motivation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I had a thought when you were sharing all this. Um, maybe I would need a minute just to remember because I remember I wanted to share something with you yeah uh, when it comes to cleaning you know like cleaning tidying up um, there is a deeply spiritual meaning behind that um, which I read from like a number of different literature there is this Japanese author 
uh, and I'm, I'm so sorry that I cannot remember the name now, but she wrote beautiful books on making an order in our most kind of immediate things. That's the clothes, the things that we wear and in our houses. Mary Kondo? Mm, yes, that's right. Yeah, that's she her. has a Netflix series. Have you watched it? Oh, on this. No, I haven't seen it yet, but I've got two books from her. And what she, I wanted to she, say is... She, she's actually known as a verb now, like you need to do Marie Kondo of your home. It's people like yeah. you work of it. I'm, I'm sorry, go on. I shouldn't. Yeah, that's fine. Exactly. It's so powerful. It became a keyword, right? And the spiritual yeah. meaning, like everything has a deep meaning to it, I think. And her theory was that it actually has a deeply spiritual meaning behind what we do. Because if we are keeping, and, and this is what I also learned, and I, I applied this last year as well, mm-hmm. um, that if we keep something in our home and uh, or in our rooms or in our space, in our immediate space, and they would be things that we don't use or don't feel so much love for or so much connection with, they are still taking up space because in the end it's energy, right? So if we are keeping old papers of say old bills, we don't need those papers, those bills. It's um, in other words, a dead energy in our life. And if we are surrounded by so much of unused energy of things and items that say nothing to us, don't make us happy, we don't need, we don't have space to replace them by something else. So actually the spiritual meaning um, behind cleaning apart from tidying up our mind space because when we have a clear space um, it makes our mind function better if we know that there is an order it puts our mind in order like once that we tidy up our wardrobes we actually feel ready to tidy up other things in our life Um, but with Marie Kondo and the spiritual meaning it's also for if we give up on something which doesn't serve us anymore, we actually naturally open doors for something else for us to happen. And it's super interesting because I've been doing this last year for about two months. I used to be this person D where I, I, I was a little bit of a shopaholic. I really like clothes and fashion and I loved experimenting with different styles. Over the last 10 years, I acquired a variety of things which most of them I didn't even need and I wore them twice and I liked them, but it wasn't me anymore. So last year I get it them all and I went through a process of how does that make me feel? So I held each of those things close to me and obviously I knew whether I like them, whether I want them or no. So I was able to, you know, identify and um, give up nicely with kind of sharing a lot with the things which I didn't want anymore and saying thank you to them for serving me for as long as they did. And then, you know, being able to give, them away but for a different purpose maybe they could serve somebody else so I've given some uh, clothes to charity some items to charity some I just it was from like clothes recycling etc and somewhere Mm -hmm. also household items decorations art so when I clear that space um, from that time up until now which is like six months my life has actually transformed and there is I, I can only say that majority of things around me are new now like new energy new people new experiences and I was stuck in a cycle of something for the last seven years before where it felt like I just couldn't get out of that treadmill you know and then I've done all this spiritual work and also like to give a really clear example uh, I've been in a relationship for over five years and Mm, it was a 
we discussed, right? It was a beautifully yeah. transformational relationship, but it wasn't a relationship that could move me forward anywhere. We, we both knew it with my ex-partner, but we kind of couldn't get out of the thing. We were still stuck there, staying there, almost like bathing in the pain of that relationship without an ability to move because we loved each other so much that we thought that giving away a relationship means giving up on each other. And that was a really wrong belief. And once that I tidied up my space, I think I got spiritually ready to make a move. So actually, mm. I'm not in that relationship anymore. But beyond what happened is that my life has transformed so much. I think that it helped me to remove some of other beliefs as well. Because when I seen mm. that this was possible and I created that space, I started inviting different people in my life. I got an amazing um, business opportunity, I, I believe. Like for me, I call it yeah. business opportunity of a century <laughs> because a year back, I would have never thought that something like that was possible, but I manifested something so beautiful that I feel like my life is completely transformed. It's less than in less than a year's time. And I think it was all triggered by being present and also creating that space for something new to happen and being you know, ready to face it. And I think that when we clear out, obviously it's so transformational, so many things happen. So for me, by creating that space, I started, I think that it was also what happens, I'm thinking of it as I speak, yeah. is that when you are able to identify with your like items, like, do I want this hair uh, brush? Do I want this perfume? Do I want this mug? And we, we make a decision, yes or no. We are clear on that. I think it helps us to be clear on so many more other things. Yeah, being decisive. Just like relationships, the jobs, you know, the whatever we do. And it just gives us clarity and self-confidence. And that triggers other things to happen because more self-confidence and belief in ourselves we have, the more we are capable to the greater things, right? Mm -hmm. So it all is intertwined. Does that yeah. kind of resonate with you? Totally, 100%. So one thing that I have done is I've written a really short ebook, like 3,000 words of ebook, uh, one and a half years ago, November 2019. Yeah. And the topic was uh, burn them down art of forgiveness and so i was reading this book you know that was the inspiration the uh, a monk's guide to clean house and mind and he mentions that mm -hmm. uh, just start cleaning your floors your washroom tiles and everything and you will forgive the person who is hurting you even now it's mm -hmm. really that simple you shouldn't you don't need to pray meditate don't do anything like that just start mm -hmm. cleaning your stuff clean your uh, I don't know like that's what I started I started cleaning my washroom every day every day I go to bath and wash my uh, washroom floor for like 10 15 minutes or something like that mm -hmm. and that did something inside of me mm -hmm. that, that did something inside I was on a really closed uh, you know path at that moment part as in I, I had closed myself because I had mm -hmm. been hurt a lot of times uh, I, I didn't open up, you know, right away. If I would have followed this book for a longer time, I would have, maybe, I don't know. But the first step that this practice did to me was uh, it helped me calm down. It helped me relax. So mm -hmm. even if I was not ready to, you know, like, uh, let the love in again, I was at least ready to stop hurting. Mm -hmm. stop you know feeling pain so mm -hmm. 
and i believe that's what forgiveness is mostly about it's, it's a really debatable topic online because uh, i yeah. talk a lot about forgiveness and i see forgiveness as a really essential part in anything that we do mhm and do and? the people have same same question like you know she did this to me how do i forgive her and what what is also interesting if i can jump in can i jump in for a moment Please. With forgiveness, right? If we are keeping that feeling of feeling hurt or still replaying something from the past, we are again keeping a dead energy with ourselves. Mm, yeah. In an energy perspective, yeah. it's something which doesn't really serve us because the question is, does it make you feel good or bad? So mm -hmm. whatever we keep, even if it's just the thought of a past experience, it's something energetic which we are burying within ourselves. And um, obviously, forgiveness is essential because it releases that energy. And what I know is from, from multiple experience of people around me, also my own one, sometimes when we get a too much of grief within ourselves, it's like energy uh, grudges within ourselves. Mm. They transform into something physical. So yes. if yes. we keep too much of that, because energy is even the cells in our body, the way that they move, it's the universe of things within ourselves and the food that we eat, that's the energy. And that energy transforms into enzymes and energy for us to move. So energy is not just something magical, it's super tangible if we just look at our human biology. So if we look at emotions, they are energy and there's been tests mm -hmm. uh, made on what how how those emotions even look like um water has an energy of itself right but back to the point if we keep these grudges within ourselves slowly and slowly if we are even processing them regularly thinking back of the past and we are re-experiencing that pain an interesting part about re-experiencing the pain is our mind had this fabulous really bad capacity of making something which happened look and feel even worse so every yeah. experience that we had once we replay it back we make it uh feels for ourselves even worse than it's been so it's like we are making something happen to ourselves without it happening but we are hurting ourselves but the yeah. fact is that the thing isn't even real and if we also look what we do with the future sometimes we have worries and think the, the thing we worry about, like, I'm not going to pass an exam or I'm not going to get the job or the person's going to reject me, we create a scenario and in our minds, we are already hurting. But has the thing happened? No, which means that we are wasting the capacity of this beautiful mind to think something which is hurting us while that may never even, never even happen. So if we are replaying these things from the past, we are making it stronger. So the more energy grudges is building around that thing, now, from personal experience, I know examples of people who got serious illnesses due to gathering so much grief, so much pain, so much anger within themselves. And only by working consciously on removing it, they actually got um, cured or, or, you know, uh, healthy again. I was um, within that category as well a few years back. I've been hurt in my relationships and I've I was hurt by people but I I've seen myself as a victim of circumstances I didn't want to accept my part of what yeah. did I do 
so I got into that situation in, in the first place. So by bathing in that grief, I created some health problems out of it. And only by being able to revisit it, um, I was able to release that. And now I know that, now I even know what are the tools to help us to release that. And that's the work which I like to do on myself, you know, to consciously, if I feel something uncomfortable, I like to address that emotion at the time. I wouldn't want to carry it, you know, to yeah. bury it within myself and let more to come to it because then it becomes even more difficult to release. So my practice now to deal with emotions, it's always like when I go to, through something painful, I like to address that emotion at the time, even if it sometimes means me having to take deep breaths during the workday or take some extra time off, extra time of my desk, just so I process things at the time, because I know that if I, mm, if I paused it and if I kept it on hold and if I don't allow myself to process it when it's happening, it just creates something bigger. Because even half a day I try to revisit those emotions, maybe my mind creates another story. It adds to it, which yeah. wouldn't be part of what actually happened, but it would make it bigger. And if I would share it with another person to, let's say, complain and share the experience, it would feel heavy again. The more I share it, it would feel heavy again, you know. Um, so I try to process them at the time and it actually helps to release it because if I keep keep gathering it within myself for a long time, I know that it would not affect me just mentally and emotionally, but also physically. So this is, again, this practice where forgiveness is an mm. act of not just, you know, freeing ourselves mentally and emotionally, but I think also physically of the energy yeah. crash. So here's a public service announcement from my side. <laughs> uh, if you haven't done any of the deep emotional work, this might not seem as easy for you. When Lucy is saying something that, you know, she immediately do that kind of a work, it's because she has done it again and again and again over the years, right? When you're doing it for the first time or the second, third time, it's going to be a little tough. But mm -hmm. as you continue doing it, the work, Obviously, forgiving someone is always going to be hard, but the process becomes a little easier. Likewise, you know, uh, your first gym session is going to be super hard. You'll, you'll probably not wake up from your bed, get up from your bed, you know, once you have been to gym first few days. But over the years, when you continue doing the gym, that doesn't mean your gym is going to be easy. You'll always going to push yourself, but going to gym or the whole process becomes relatively easier. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel, you know, like totally now I understand this practice of forgiveness and everything. And I've been uh, calling this. Uh, so here's something that the message that I've been delivering a lot in whatever I write and speak that acceptance is forgiveness and forgiveness is freedom. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an under talked subject. Like I haven't seen people talking enough about it. We have seen people talking about oneness and those big idea stuff but if we go on a micro level like tell me how do i get better how do i get better start cleaning yeah. your washroom <laughs> start mm -hmm. cleaning your almira probably there and i'm saying this mm -hmm. out loud because that's what i need to do i've been not doing it for some time and uh it's the time i get inspiration by saying this out loud mm -hmm. thank you for saying your uh, sharing your experience also uh has there been any uh, particular spiritual teacher you've been following? Teacher, um, 
I, I'm not sure whether they are. Well, I, I believe everyone has a spiritual side to themselves. Um, I cannot think of a specific name like out of the blue now, but there is a couple of people that impacted me on my journey. And the name which came immediately to my mind uh, as a person who has been kind of not mentoring me, but maybe I've seen him as a guide on my journey is a mm -hmm. Brazilian author, a writer called Paulo Coelho. Oh, the alchemist, right? The alchemist uh, author. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So his, his personal story really inspired me. And it's one of those things, you know, like as we talk with the books, you read a book and it resonates with you. You don't even know why, but you connect yeah. with the energy. And Paulo, he had a deeply healing effect on me. Mm. So, and there might be other authors, but this name came to mind. So I'm going with the flow and sharing this experience. So I think I started reading him when I was 15. Now I'm over 30 and I'm, I'm still reading <laughs> Paulo Coelho. I still feel the resonance. And I remember the first book that I read was The Alchemist, but I connected with the energy of the book much more than anything else. And it made me, it, it made me see and understand that there is magic everywhere around me. I didn't even know like why and how. The book didn't talk specifically about magic. Yeah. It told that we have a capacity to follow our dreams. But I felt so much magic just out of the way this guy was putting words out on the paper. And it started, uh, it, it kind of triggered something. It awakened something in me. And I started seeing magic everywhere in my life. And I have some amazing synchronicities when it comes to like Paulo Coelho and my story. Um, so he explored past lives. He's very much into this feminine masculine energy balance and learning about that. He explores so many things that I've been personally interested in. So through Paulo Coelho, I started exploring spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to numerology, astrology, how they interplay in our lives, uh, the importance of understanding ourselves. Me uh, diving deep in my feminine, so I, I was working at the time within massive corporate industry and I became super masculine in my role because the role required me to be this strong person who doesn't take no as an answer. But I was missing my feminine. And I, at the time I was speaking love. I really wanted to have somebody close to me, but I couldn't allow it because that feminine side of me wasn't activated. At, at the time, a book landing, landed on my desk from Paulo Coelho, which was about awakening feminine. So he's been kind of guiding all my life. And interestingly, mm. one of the last experiences with Paulo was I read this book called Aleph, which is a beautiful book about Paulo exploring his past life. Interestingly, and it, it's, it's also fascinating to me that um, in Paulo's life, he always felt that he kind of belonged somewhere. He knew that his life, his soul's journey is longer than this lifetime. That's how I always felt. And I even got a feeling by the way he was uh, talking about his past life experiences and everything that I kind of got a feeling from him that I know his soul. So it might be that I'm, I know him as a soul from lives before, like past lives before, because it's so easy for me to understand his language, the language he writes, he speaks, mm. the way he writes experiences. And um, in Aleph, he wrote about one experience. Uh, he went on, on a journey to explore his past lives. And he also says, actually, for our listeners, that um, it's very complex to, to even dare to go back into our past lives through past life regression or whatever technique. He says that 
he doesn't actually believe after doing his experience that we should be doing that, that we should go back to try to awaken it consciously, because if we cannot remember our past lives, it's probably for the best. Like we are not meant to, we are meant to carry the energy of certain things and places and stuff, but there is no kind of a benefit of us revisiting those things. Well, I've done my own part. I've done past life regression and I got to visit what really felt like an energy of life's lifetimes before. And in the book, Aleph again, uh, he revisited one of his lives, which was in, um, as he remembered it, as he's seen the vision of that, it, it, it was somewhere in the south of Spain. And he shared an experience of this place and everything. Once I visited south of Spain, and it really felt like I've been in the place, I knew the place, and it was it was very heavy in a way. I felt like remembering something a little bit kind of painful, but it was healing at the same time. And I connected so deeply with his book. And it was also at the time when I started writing. And the, the synchronistic experience with Paolo that I had at the time was that I was reading, finishing the end of his book. And uh, that was um, kind of um, a summary of Paolo's experience by the editor. So uh -huh. uh, I was just reading the last sentences of the book and suddenly the thought struck me, which was that I knew that I wanted to write a book at the time. And I was thinking mm. about uh, the, uh, the plot and everything. And suddenly, as I was reading this, I just came up to, with the title. So I knew what was the title of my new book. So I just went on like, wow, I know that this has to be the title of the book that I would write. So I wrote yeah. the title down. Yeah. And I, and I went back to reading those last sentences. And what was fascinating was that in that next sentence that I read, it had the name of the book, which I just wrote down. Mm. And to me, it was like, whoa. So I always had this almost mystical, magical experience with Paulos Coelho's teachings, you know, and his way of spirituality. And what also fascinates me about his story is that he went through different phases of his life he wasn't always feeling powerful enlightened and strong and also spiritual he went through dark parts and he then learned to embrace them and it reminds me of this dual way that the universe interplays in our lives which is that we we would not always be at the top we sometimes yeah. would feel overwhelmed well and and we are only as in control as you said it's not that we are in control of our lives we are um we are kind of playing our our lives together with the universe so the universe acts through us and this is the, the kind of the um, philosophy of paulos coelho's uh, books and and um words that mm -hmm. really resonates with me because i know that um for me personally i i know that i will have this duality with feeling at the top of the universe and also sometimes feeling down and having to process it. But what yeah. I know is that it is okay like that. Yeah. It doesn't mean that if I'm up, that's right. When I'm feeling down, that's wrong. There is no right and wrong. It's okay, whichever way it is. And that empowers me so much from, his, from his books and teaching. Yeah, the one affirmation that I've recently been practicing a lot in the same context is that I'm perfectly where I'm supposed to be at this very moment. Mm -hmm. And so here's my story a little bit. So I'm 
curiosity is one of my top most values i love being curious about different subjects and particularly in the past few months or years i've been curious about the things that people usually cannot explain but they can only experience like for example i turned mm-hmm. vegan 2 years ago and uh, before that for one and a half years i was a non uh, i was a vegetarian before mm-hmm. that i have been a non vegetarian person i see i have experienced in myself how turning vegan changed so many qualities inside of me mm-hmm. i cannot explain it i can try i can tell you you know like the i, I have seen me becoming more kind compassionate reconnecting with myself and being less fearful less egoistic i can try and use those labels to explain it to you try and explain it to you like this is the transmissions i've been through but i don't think i could totally explain it to you but if you do the same i'm totally sure you'll experience it in your way right yeah. certain things that you cannot truly explain but you can only experience for example the spirituality mm-hmm. part I don't think we can do justice in explaining this part. We can discuss it. We can try to, you know, like mm-hmm. put some labels and thoughts on it. But I do not believe for a second that we can actually explain it as well as we can experience it. Yeah, the experiences are completely different, and I absolutely understand it. Like when you see it and when you feel it for yourself, no words can describe that feeling unless you get the taste of it yourself and that's only through experience. So the next yeah. point you have made me curious about is tell me more about that past life experience. Which was it? The, the past life experience. You would like me to tell you more about it? That's what you said? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, this was, I think, in 2016. Um, I I don't even know what triggered me, to be honest, to to have an experience of this this kind. I think it was more curiosity than me dealing with specific problem. And I know that Mm -hmm. it makes sense to look into past lives. If there is something which is bothering us, such as um, anxiety of some sort or a phobia, which we cannot explain in any way but there is basically something which is coming back repeatedly and we try different ways uh, through say therapy addressing it trying to understand it and we just cannot and it's limiting us in our lives i think that that might be one of the ways to look at it through past life um regression therapy it would make sense for me i think it was more of a curiosity however (laughs) although that might motives maybe weren't so great to to explore it um i got something in return um so i have a friend and she is a a a therapist a past life regression therapist she also studied shamanism which means that she's very um spiritual in a way that she perceives things a very compassionate person so she was a person i trusted and that's why i chose to to kind of go to her and for me it was about an experience i wanted to see how far can I go? And also, I think I was testing the fact that um, there are so many unexplainable things for myself, like through my journey. I remember when I moved to UK, while well, I'm not from UK, and I moved to London, and I started meeting certain groups of people. I really resonate with, let's say, Indian culture. And I mm-hmm. ate Indian foods. I've spoken with Indians. I heard Hindi, and it felt like home. And I was thinking to myself, how is that even possible? Like, I never tasted cardamom in my life. Why do I 
feel so much compassion and like love when I eat it, when I tried whatever sort of food or when I first had Mandy on my hands and I felt mm. like there was home light on my hands and I felt this feeling of home which was unexplainable I was like how can this even be yeah and previously yeah. and at that at the time that year I had this amazing connection it was in my 20s I had this amazing amazing connection with like Indian culture uh, uh, native Indian American Indian connection mm. where you know, all shamanic really resonated with me. I wanted to visit South and North America. I was really fascinated. I even wrote theses in my university about them. I wanted to explore their lives, you know, their ways of doing things. And yeah, and I couldn't understand why do I feel so much resonance? Why do I, uh, with, with these native tribes, why do I feel so much kind of connection? And also first time when I came to UK, I felt again, like I was home. And my home was elsewhere. It's in Slovakia, Central Europe. I never felt I belonged there. And until I left Slovakia and moved and, and first came to, to visit this country where I live now, I didn't even know that there was such a feeling. But when I first came to UK, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I couldn't explain it. It's, again, that experience, right? Uh, the, the, the thing where yeah. if I tried to explain, you would probably, probably not be able, you are trying to comprehend, but you haven't. I felt it to the extent that I felt it so you can only relate but to getting the substance of it you would have to have the same kind of experience so I felt something like this is home and I felt almost as if my energy was rooting to the place where I've been which was unexplainable it was completely new to me so back to past life regression yeah um, it happens through hypnosis so your therapist puts you in a hypnosis and um, when you are in a hypnosis, it's basically to, to make your body completely relaxed so you are not bothered about something mm. happening to it. So it happens mostly through a meditation kind of thing. So you are, uh, let's say, disconnecting yourself from your body. So you don't have to move your hands. You can completely relax. And then there is the... Mm, the um, hypnotherapy part, part of things mm -hmm. where I, I think I was being repeated certain I was being told certain story just so I disconnect and I get into a trance kind of mode so my mind mm -hmm. stopped processing stopped thinking but my subconscious was present so when we are in hypnosis our subconscious always listens yep. okay it's present yeah. that's why we can change so many things in hypnosis and I was told a certain story and I know that it was my subconscious, which was always listening. And I remember that my mind was trying to kind of question things like, oh, is this real? Can this happen? Is this, you know, whatever journey yeah. you're experiencing? And then um, the way it happened for me, it again may be difficult for people who are listening to understand, but this is how it's been happening. So I've I've seen myself um, during that say, vision and the process, which took for about two and a half hours. I seen something like a tunnel or a garden. Uh, it was um, it, it was my vision of, uh, of basically my brain's way of uh, seeing things. And there was this like tunnel full of doors, different kind of doors. And I remember that at some part of it, it was more sunny. It was like sun coming through the tunnel. And there were different kinds of doors on different sides. Some of them, they were wooden. Some of them were like made out of stone. Some of them seemed more futuristic. 
and there were roses on different parts of it, like flowers and the leaves in the tunnel. And my therapist asked me whether where I am. And uh, I think I spoke to her and I told her how it feels. And then she told me, can you see any like entrance somewhere? And I did. She told me like, have a so walk through the tunnel. I have a walk. So I explored it and I seen a couple of doors. Uh, there just as I said different different uh, ways of looking doors and I was particularly attracted to open one of them so mm. I and before opening the door I remember that my mind kind of something in me got a little bit like scared or tense like do I really want to do this and yeah. I think that was the part where in normal circumstance a person can actually leave or I could have left but I think there was something for me which I uh, should have experienced and that's why I decided that I will go ahead and also what the therapist did before um, as, as a part of the as a part of the whole past life regression experience they emphasize um, that you create some kind of energy safe bubble to make sure that you are kind of protected in whatever you experience they make sure that you feel safe enough to go through this experience mm. and even if you do this and you don't feel safe to even go into the tunnel and start the visualization, they stop the process because sometimes our subconscious tries to protect us from things which we are not ready to experience and we yeah. just need to listen to it. So um, I opened the door and I found myself uh, first kind of feeling. So I, I happened to be in some kind of an open space and it was an inside space which seemed really dark. There was just a fireplace in what seemed to be a room that was lighting it up, but otherwise the room was really dark. And I, 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 I had the energy sense of that space. Um, so energetically, it, it connected me to some of the dreams that I used to have since childhood. Um, so the energy was a little bit like I felt fearful and I felt insecure in that space, but I knew the energy. So it was very interesting. Uh, and the therapist was asking me at the time, like, how do I feel where I am? And, and I, I had my eyes closed and I was like completely paralyzed. My body wasn't moving and I was just in that space. And I felt that there might be somebody else in that space. And I wasn't sure what I should do. And I had a sense of wanting to leave that space. Um, so what happened then, just to kind of summarize on it, um, I understood that, it was a past life, which I had probably in the UK, because then the environment kind of changed and it got more brighter. And there was an un, unclosed, um, I had an, a tie there with uh, one of my parents, which never got closed. And it was something which was, um, uh, which was always kind of haunting me till my till these days and I used to have nightmares about this life or this kind of experience uh, because the person who was there with me in the room and that was the person behind me that I got to kind of look at and, and see them it was my mom from from my past lives and um, well, what basically happened was that apparently I left the place where I lived without ever um letting my mom understand and she always kept kind of crying over me and chasing me and trying to, to trying to find out what has happened to me and she never did because we never met um, 
perhaps she might have died or I might have died or I might have never got the chance. And she and, and she had compassion and love towards me um, as, as a mom. But in this life, when I had those uh, bad dreams, I always seen myself kind of running through gardens and, and cemeteries and there were like castles and it looks super medieval. Mm. I felt I felt scared of those dreams. I remember as a child, it really haunted me and I was waking up at night and I didn't understand why am I dreaming this? Like I've never been to such a place and it kept repeating till me being in my 20s. And then what I've seen in this past life, it was super similar to that energy. And I got to understand that what I was fearing, I don't even have to fear, but it's like I had to make peace with that life and understand that um, to within myself to find um, uh, uh, like an acceptance of whatever has happened. And also to, um, so within that vision, what I've done is I, um, it, it took for about an hour, the whole experience. So it's hard to kind of summarize in a few words, but I made an agreement with the person over there and I showed compassion to her. So I was able to face that um, environment and experience. And I looked at the person who was hiding close to the fireplace. And I realized that it wasn't like a ghost or somebody bed hunting me, but it was my mother, a person who loved me and who was just looking for understanding. And when I understood who that person is, actually bursted in tears in in that uh, in that um in the real life in that uh, regression as well as well as in that vision and we hugged deeply and we just kept hugging and by that hugging something got released and i remember the room from the dark and scary room it turned into a light room and i was in a place that looked like a palace and it was beautiful and uh, full of colors and then with my mom we walked into this um terrace or a balcony and we seen the view from the garden and it was it was amazing experience in the end so I felt like something energy which I never got to address got released interestingly I never had those nightmares since so I never had a feeling that something was ha haunting me again mm -hmm. after this past life and uh Interestingly, like a few years after this past life regression therapy, I visited one, um, it was like a merchant's home in uh, South London. And uh, I was in that place and it felt like a place where I've been. And I went to this room, uh, which was open and close to the balcony. And I had a feeling like I've been there and it felt as a place which I visited in my past life regression. So it was fascinating. So it looked like the place which I visited even existed in real life. So yeah. That's just such an ex uh, intense experience. Thank you so much for sharing this. And as you were sharing, uh, you see how it's, it's a little heavy for me to even think about what I'm going to talk about at this yeah. moment. I don't, I don't know how or why, but I feel that it's the right time to talk about it. So in my experience, what I've seen happening with me, uh, I was really loved as a kid. So I grew up in a joint family with probably like a dozen adults. And uh, I was the first kid. Obviously I was heavily loved and affectionated. Uh, but then we grew up in a nuclear family, like when I was eight or nine or 10 something. 
but i have had this one uh, i have written a lot about it that i have had this one characteristic of being detached like it's, it's a, like a snap decision for me if i have to detach with someone yeah and now that i'm going a little deeper to it it's been like a few months as i'm looking at it with a like a different lens and now i don't see it as a detachment it's it's kind of a what i'm seeing right now is mm-hmm. it's the defense mechanism where i'm not allowing somebody else to love me mm-hmm. then again not only romantically but in all in all senses but specifically yeah. romantically because there is something about being in a romantic relationship you are never more vulnerable with anybody else like that yeah. obviously right so uh, that's uh, one of the experience i've had and it just makes me wonder uh, or when you shared your whole story if this has something not within this lifetime mm-hmm. it is it is possible it's um I think it's so individual, you know, all of our experiences. So it's difficult to have like one answer to it. But what works for me with probably everything where I question myself about why this and that is, um, it it might be the deeper you go in trying to understand why and even asking yourself the questions, what works for me? I don't know whether it would work for you, but maybe it's something you could try. I always keep asking myself, why is it and why I feel certain way? And the deeper I go in asking, the deeper answers I receive. And sometimes it's not even through asking consciously, but asking without expecting my mind to answer. I just get to feel. I just get to feel why. You know, a couple of um, uh, days back, I'm now not in a relationship and uh, I started feeling this kind of loneliness because for the last five, six years, I've always been with somebody. And as you say, with romantic relationship, we get such a strong bond with someone that nothing else can kind of give us the same kind of feeling. And suddenly not having that bond, not having that feeling of connection with someone or that security we get from sharing our reality with another person, like immediately at all times which was my reality over the last five, six years. Um, I started feeling that something was missing and I didn't know how to interpret that feeling or even what kind of impact it has over me. And when I asked myself, like, like how do you feel? And is it, is it even painful or whatever? It's through, it's through feeling that I got the answers. So maybe even you can get the answers in form of a feeling of why that is, or maybe like, why are you, maybe not allowing yourself to be loved to such an extent, because I think nothing external can ever give you a response. Yeah. It's always deep, deep, deep. And, uh, and so for me- I, uh, How I look at things is, obviously I understand this one part that answers are never external. But my belief is sometimes tools are external. So you can use Definitely. some external tool to, you know, like go inside of you, like hiring a coach or following a spiritual guru. It doesn't mean that they will give you answers, but probably they will guide you or they'll give you some tools that you can look within. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that was not on my mind to discuss or even talk about. But, you know, I just got a, I just got a, maybe a tool. Um, Have you ever asked uh, or tried asking yourself, do I fear something or why am I not allowing myself? Am I not allowing uh, myself to be loved fully? 
and maybe why. And the question, and maybe if you sit in a meditation with the thoughts of, do I fear something? And what do I fear? Yeah, that's probably the work I've been doing recently. So the thing yeah. about detachment is, this is something a lot of people would probably want in their life. Mm -hmm. When they experience it, that's not probably what they want, but on a superficial <laughs> level, that's something you know people would want, that the ability to not get hurt the ability to snap out of dramatic situations. Yeah. It's kind of like being, again, I want to be compassionate, but I'm not able to find any other better examples, but like being a sociopath or a psychopath. So you are not able to feel your feelings. Mm -hmm. Somebody who is having emotional issues, which most of us have, sometimes yeah. people wish that I wish I didn't have feelings. Yeah but ask those people who don't have those feelings and that's not probably who you want to be. And that, that's mm -hmm. the same thing with this detachment thing. Like yeah. a lot of us wish for it, but it's probably not something that you would want to have. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, so yeah, something that I've been working a lot and that, that there's been acceptance. I've always fought against it like there's a detachment and every time I'd uh, enter a relationship or start dating someone, this was the first thing that I'll tell them, like, you know, like it's a mental health issue, but you know what, uh, this is a, uh, this is an issue with me and I'm just trying to resolve it. Like nowadays I'll, I'll make sure that I communicate if I'm going to date someone, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I communicate that I have a mental health issue. Like I have, panic attack sometimes like it happens one once or twice a year but i need to see how you react to it because if you don't understand mental health issues we are not going to bond over it because in my lowest moment mm -hmm. i need someone and you'd not be there right but it makes sense because it's it is an issue panic attacks is an issue but detachment is probably not an issue and so that was a major shift i had uh when i started cleaning floors like one and a half years ago yeah. And I started looking at it as a characteristic and not an issue. Like this is, you know, mm -hmm. part of me. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, most of my work that I've done with my therapist or my coaches and whatever on my spiritual work has majorly revolved around this one part. Uh, so what I did, I went on a break for, I became intentionally single for 20 months. And mm -hmm. recently, like two, three months ago, I was again working with a coach and uh, she helped me reconnect with this, you know, inner part of me that maybe it's not detachment, maybe it's just me being afraid of, you know, letting somebody in. Mm -hmm. So then I made this decision that, you know what, let me try it again. Let, let me be curious in it and see what happens because in the last one and a half year, two years, I've had enough experience. I've done a lot of deep emotional work and I know certain things where I get triggered or you know some areas where I get desperate and all that stuff. So let me yeah. see how it goes for now. And because any which way I feel, if I am staying still, I might not be able to resolve it. But if I start, start action like a little bit somewhere down the road, I'll understand it a little better maybe then mm -hmm. I'll be able to work on it. Yeah. That's a rabbit.
<laughs> yeah, you know, I, I also believe so. One of the biggest uh, personal shifts within me, with an understanding um, of myself and my identity, it happened through me experiencing relationships. I think we feel so much at peace. We can feel so much at peace when we are just with ourselves. Like when I'm single, I've always feel so much in power, but at the same time, it's not possible for me to do so much deep inner work unless I am with somebody else because I don't get that mirror of seeing myself through another person and not so many triggers that only come through the romantic relationships, they don't happen because I'm not in those relationships. So I faced the biggest shadows of mine when I was in a relationship because there was somebody to mirror those shadows to me. And thanks to them, you know, that's, I think also being in a relationship, it's, um, it's a big decision because we are allowing ourselves, we are accepting that we are going to be facing our shadows and, you know, going into those triggers and that we are willing to do that. Obviously, being in love, it's one of the most amazing, if not the amazing feeling in the, in the world for ourselves personally. But there are also the dark sides of it, because the deeper we go, the deeper we have to even understand ourselves and learn things such as compassion with another and and not allowing those triggers to to break what we have between one another because then ego comes to place obviously for for each of us and yeah. ego manifests in so many different ways we can become um offensive or we can become victims of the situations we may want something we can have expectations from one another based on that ego and relationships really allow us in 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 my experience or in my opinion to understand so much about ourselves but we need to be willing to face that because for many people relationships also become a tool to escape themselves there are people who like to go in a relationship just so they don't have to feel lonely or face loneliness or face a lack of self-worth so they would get somebody who would they expect that they fill the place for them, fill the space, you know, make them feel worthy. So it, it's always about whether also our, our motives for entering those relationships are right. And I think, you know, it's yeah. only fair, as you say, to be cautious. You are, you are conscious of how you are and you are also conscious of how you could be in a relationship. And I, I think that as long as you know, we um, wish to start the relationship for the right kind of reason, which is to me to to share and to experience love together. Uh, then it's just about our willingness to continue in the process. And as long as those partners are, let's say, emotionally aware, um, it is a beautiful bond to have. But for, for a beautiful, loving bond, I think there has to be two people and they need to both be on the same page, at least in their motives for entering that relationship. Uh, in the past relationships that I had and why they didn't work and why they, I would say, couldn't uh, survive, it was because I joined that relationship for wrong reasons. Like my reason yeah. for the past relationship, getting in that relationship was because I felt lonely and I wanted to be with somebody. That's not a good reason to start a relationship. So obviously it had loads of issues then, which was just showing up this, this, this whole point that I was even scared to leave that relationship out of a fear of being lonely, rather than thinking that I need to be in a really fulfilling bond once that I'm in a relationship, right? So, yeah. 
thank you so much for sharing your experiences lucy this is one of the really intense uh, conversation that i'm having on record i'm being honest and it's it's been 3 4 months since i'm doing this every week mm-hmm. and i'm so grateful that i'm doing this i i love doing this having a conversation with somebody who has done you know deep internal work which most of coaches have done right so anyway uh has another topic that i know you are a lot into and i know almost nothing about it the astrology and numerology mm-hmm. i know so i'll tell you in one line what i know that uh, yeah. there's energy shift based on the planetary locations if i'm mm-hmm. correct i don't know again i i know almost nothing about it but that <laughs> everything that i know talk to me more about this because i want to learn okay so um as an opener uh, i would say that astrology has been an instrument a tool for me to get to know myself better through years so mm-hmm. yeah um to, to summarize on astrology astrology is an ancient practice which is really precise it's super mathematical and then it looks at the constellation of planets in different kind of com- combinations it looks at the constellation of planets together with the movement of the sun and the moon and according to that it is able to um to to identify even predict and uh, describe certain events certain um uh, even personalities and as individuals it's able to tell us astrology is able to tell us based on um the, the planetary uh constellation even about how the country behaves what the country is like so it's able to kind of mm. identify not just the person even a country even the her, uh, the whole world uh kind of based on certain factors so uh, astrology for me um let, let's start from that individual level uh I, i find it fascinating i mean when i was a child when i was younger when i was a teen let's say I had a really shallow opinion on astrology because I thought astrology equals horoscopes which means that our sun sign um and we have a 12 a zodiac signs and I was thinking that knowing my zodiac sign means knowing astrology and reading horoscopes mean knowing who I am actually so it's a one person I have a question right away from this part and we'll continue Please. yeah yeah we'll continue our discussion um tell me about this again i don't know anything about it but what i know is there are two kinds of astrology signs one that goes or i have seen what i have seen one that goes with your birth date and the other mm-hmm. that goes with your the first na- letter of your name um so there would be numerology going with the letters i believe okay. because astrology it's all about numbers and identifying them based on certain location and based on uh different uh different dates it could be okay. even this day like if we look at birthdays if we look at sunbounce say uh uh well natal chart it 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 identifies from the date of your birth but if you want to find out about um, astrological influences that you are under in a certain time you would look at not the birthday but uh the day where we are at 
or your most recent birthday. So it's very complex, but the letter that would be numerology, all that has to do with letters and calculating kind of numbers, but doing uh, calculations, well, numerology is different. Let's focus on astrology first. So um, sure. the personal astrology, yeah, it, 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 it isn't only uh, the zodiac signs. As I said, that's for about 10% knowledge of what real um, astrology actually does. Um, there mm -hmm. are different aspects to to it. So um, there are there are basically three things in astrology, in individual astrology, that tell us about ourselves. And again, as with every science, there are different um, astrologic, let's say, impacts or, or uh, avenues that people astrologists use to to even calculate these things for people. So there is um, ancient Greek astrology and there are also let's say more Hellenist and a newer sorts of astrology and I, I have two astrologists currently that I that I know and uh, each of them are looking at astrology from a different viewpoint so some can be more exact can be mm -hmm. more kind of rooted in the real world tell us about our our life our desires our achievements more rational more kind of rooted into uh, everyday real life and another kind of astrology is based more on the journey of our soul and it's called evolutionary astrology but that's something I learned later on in life so that more exact Hellenistic Greek astrology um, it, it looks at ourselves as individual through three things that um, uh, that, that, that describe us or that can we can learn about ourselves so in astrology we can identify our sun sign our moon sign and then our ascendant as three telling factors based on our date of birth. So our date of birth is important because the planets were under a certain influence to get, together with the moon and the sun when we were born. And it is it is very kind of specific. It's almost as we are born under a certain start or we fallen as a you know mm. soul <laughs> to the body within a certain moment and it's a very telling moment and to me it's fascinating to know just how precise uh, astrology is in identifying who we are based on knowing that moment so um, I'm an April person I was born in April that makes my sun sign an Aries so if we look into horoscope and somebody asked me what's your star sign um, I would say Aries but in astrology it's called sun sign and sun is the uh, sign in astrology that represents how we behave like our most visible characteristic in reality those ones that come come out when we interact with our environment it's most of our tra traits as personality traits are described by the sun sign then there is a moon sign and the moon sign describes who we are uh, when it comes to feelings and emotions moon so my son, uh, my zodiac sign is Libra. I guess yeah. I am. I was born in twenty-four September. Uh huh. Is it Libra? Of course, you are a Libra. Of course, you are a Libra. That's why we have a, such a good relationship. <laughs> Aries and Libras work oh. really close together. Aries are oh, very. Oh yeah. My really, really great friends are born in April. Yeah, it, it works. It's it's beautiful. It's amazing. And my best friend is also a Libra. Mm, 
see. A couple of my best friends are Libras or Geminis. You are an air sign, but I will talk about elements a bit later. So, sure. so yeah. Uh, so the moon sign, if you know your moon sign, I could tell you more about that as well. But moon, it looks like how we act in a matter of emotions and why is that and why is it called moon sign? It's basically what was the influence like when we were born, where the moon was at the time on the sky. So that that's also kind of the astrological meaning behind that. Mm. Um, my moon sign is a Leo and I'm actually all of my main signs, my three elements, they are fire signs but I will talk about these elements in a minute. So the, the moon, um, if we look at the moon on the sky, when we have a solar, uh, when we have the, um, the, not the eclipse, the, well, also the eclipse, when the moon mm -hmm. is full mm -hmm. or at, it, at its lowest point on the sky, it always has an impact on how we feel. And this is why the moon sign is the sign to look uh, at for emotions. And you can also have moon sign in terms of the zodiac signs. It's 12 of those signs. And the third sign to look at that identifies us is what is called an ascendant. And it's something like a shadow personality. How do you find the moon sign? Is it by the time moon? of the birth? Yes, it's also a calculation that now there is loads of automated tool on the internet that when you enter your you know date of birth and an hour of your birth hour is important because of identifying the moon sign uh it 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 helps to tell you exactly kind of what those what those zodiac signs mm. are for yourself but it's okay. done by really precise calculations it could be calculated manually but now by the astrologists that i know they themselves use automated tools to, to help them but otherwise yeah. it's if you can imagine you imagine a circle like uh, really a circle and within that circle you've got planets positioned in different ways and based on the information that we give they basically draw uh, they create connections between those planets that help to mm. identify who you are where you stand but it's really precise you could even find videos on the internet to see how this is being done but mm. it's calculating yes so the third sign is ascendant and that is like a shadow personality so you know as we on the outside, we can we can look as uh, a certain kind of person, but deep inside, we are actually uh, like somebody else, or it's deeper than what is shown on the outside, and that's the ascendant. Mm. It's like it's like our inner drives and desires and motives and things like that. And putting okay. all of this together, this can help us to identify our personality. What I find fascinating about astrology is not that it's like um, uh, the, the science that would tell you about what's going to happen in your life, like predictions uh, <laughs> of events or things like that, because astrology is also a belief that we are um, the, the people who create our reality, but astrology helps us to understand the meaning behind things happening. So it is that within a certain year, we can have five events happening. Astrology wouldn't tell us that you are going to get promoted, you are going to get married, but it tells you about the kind of the main topics within a certain years. Like you might be dealing a lot with the topic of career or a, a topic of relationships, or actually this looks like a year where relationships might be a bit challenging because of the constellation between the planets in your chart at this time. 
So what I find really great about astrology is it gives substance. It gives more context into what we are experiencing. And to give a really concrete example, in 2018, uh, that was the year where I saw astrologers because I was going through a really downside in my relationship. It was super challenging at the time. At the same time, there were issues in my family when my uh, godmother got diagnosed with cancer, uh, four-stage cancer. And at the same time, my job was challenging. And I was just trying to kind of find some more understanding into what I'm going through and try to make a sense of it. And then I saw an astrologist who is now my personal, uh, perfect first contact astrologist. And um, he given me a context into it without me sharing any information about what is happening in my life. He started analyzing those three signs. So he told me, you are an Aries, uh, Moon in Leo, and uh, I'm, I'm a Sagittarius ascendant. And he told me, well, this makes you act like this and that. And first thing he told me, you look like a, you've got a face of a Sagittarius. Uh, so sometimes, you know, that ascendant also tells us about uh, it, it can be a confirmation of, of kind of who we are. Yeah. And, and then he told me, well, it looks like this is the year where you are going through a lot of transformations because you are under an influence of the planets Uranus and Neptune who are transformation triggers. And I see that it is triggering the area of your work, area of your relationships. And there seem to be also some changes happening like within a family life, some concerns. And there was a planet, I think it was Mercury, and uh, that was related to the family affairs. And he asked me, is there some like health issues that you are facing or, or something like that that you are concerned about? And I said, not particularly myself, but actually my auntie, my, my uh, godmother, who is also my auntie, she's battling cancer. And he said, well, that's really interesting because the indirect meaning of Mercury is an auntie. So that's like a keyword. So sometimes astrology can go so much into details and be so precise that it's mind-blowing. It was unbelievable to me at the time. And then I was told about, um, you know, these impacts in my job, like there seems to be a lot of instability and it's possible that I would not find or not feel uh, secure about my job at the time because I was supposed to be, almost like supposed to be by the universe to go through certain transformations and the same for my relationship. So it didn't tell me you are going to stay mm. with your partner, you are going to be happy. It was more about this is a challenging time for you because internally you are going through a lot of transitions, you know, or externally there are certain influences which are making it difficult for you to find security in this area. And, you know, for me, that context into those topics, it makes me find like peace within myself. It, 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 it um, heightens my um, capacity for understanding. And that's what I love about astrology. So when I have this context and I know that actually certain planetary influences are not making it easy, not making it easy for me to feel secure or to have stability in certain area, it makes it easier for me to accept because otherwise as people, we may want to act too much on our logics, right? So if I didn't know at the time anything about uh, astrology, yeah. if I didn't seek support, I would be asking myself, why am I not able to close deals repeatedly in my work? I would be like, I'm doing absolutely everything. I'm putting my 100% effort and it seems like I'm failing. And I could fall in this position of a victim being like, why am I constantly failing when I'm trying, you know, every, every time so much? 
Yeah. So it would make yeah. me feel a little bit drained and miserable. But what I understood is that actually I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm doing all I can and it's good that I'm doing it. But at the same time, things are the way they are. And all I can do is accept them. It doesn't mean I should give up. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't be putting effort, but I should just be conscious about the process, the way it is. And so astrology, it with the really an insight, it gives such an insight into where we stand and how things are happening that it helps us to build acceptance and even compassion towards our reality. And this has been life-changing for me. And equally at the beginning, when we talk, you know, about the masculine and feminine and balancing yeah. the goals, interesting part is that societies from kind of beginning of humanity, they have been deeply shamanic and deeply connected with nature. And later on, they started using these forces of nature to understand themselves more. And that made them compassionate. And that's how they were able to function in an ecosystem of a community, which was like so healthy and thriving. And they were taking help of these influences, all of these tools. And I feel it works for me the same way. Interestingly, you know, that book that I mentioned, The uh, Illusion of Separation, yeah. um, it talks about the fact that actually all the first communities that were here on the earth, they were placed in different areas of the, of the planet, but still their philosophy, the way that they functioned and their beliefs were all the same. They derived from like the same knowledge and that's the animism and also the shamanic knowledge. So they were all super spiritual, which, which tells me like the, it's like an essence of spirituality is the same. <laughs> Sorry. Bless you. Yeah. You know, the, the, the essence of spirituality is the same, basically. Like um, mm, yeah. everywhere. And if you start looking at different philosophies, what you start seeing is similarities. And also astrology yeah. made me realize the same. Like there are so many similarities. Um I mean, between even between people, you know, like just by understanding a certain facet, it's so much easier for me to even understand a, a person. Now, when you said you're a Libra, and I, I don't think I ever asked you what your star sign was, but it makes me understand you even better because now I see that Libra trades in you, you know, and, and Libras as a sign, as composed to Aries. So Aries, um, that's my soul, my sun sign. Aries are very kind of, uh, they are people who want to achieve. They are those ones who like to be in a rational life. They are uh, in the a, in a, in a real world so much more than in the spiritual world. They like to achieve and they are logic driven and ra rational and they are much more focused on the self, self-interest, self-achievement, you know, even self-admiration than um, compassionate, etc. And the Libra is an exact opposite of Aries. Libras are very compassionate. They feel for the community. They feel for others. So it's like an exact opposite of Aries. But when they work together, they combine together so beautifully. So they complement each other. So, you know, it's that, that interplay of forces of the signs. It's, it's beautiful. And this tool of astrology was designed thousands of years back. And fascinating is that it's so accurate up until this point. And another thing um, which I wanted to touch base, which also constitutes astrology, is the yeah. elements. Yeah. So you have four elements. You have the fire. So, you have the talk, talk to me air. about this 
sounds like an interesting thing to ask you because you have done good research on it so somebody from capricorn sign mm-hmm. i'm dating this girl tell me about that <laughs> what would you like to know <laughs> <laughs> so uh like uh, like the way you mentioned and i see that i have a really great friendship with people who have born in aphrodite who were born in aphrodite Mm-hmm. tell me about a relationship between like you mentioned between aries and libra right so what about yeah. capricorn and libra okay um well you are very you are very compassionate and uh, you feel for others and like you are able to relate you you have a great capacity to relate to all the rest of the zodiacs because of your compassion and empathy mm. so you like relating um i think capricorns by well but the capricorn person again wouldn't be just capricorn they would be combination of the moon sign and the ascendant which mm-hmm. i don't know and you are a libra okay. and you have two other signs which we don't know so we are again looking just as the partial you know oh, so maybe so this is something we need to we need to yeah to, to be really and for it to be deep and accurate we would need to look like deeper into your moon sign and ascendant and girl's sign and ascendant you know mm. um but capricorns just to tell you uh from the elements perspective so you as a libra you are an air sign you like freedom exploring things so you are compassionate oh. but at the same time yeah you need yeah. freedom you need space as an air a just imagine qualities of 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 air right an air sign yeah. you like you like your independence and you like your space to create even the fact that you are creative it's so uh, characteristic for your air sign right yeah and yeah. capricorns uh capricorns they are the earth sign which means they tend to be really rooted earth is rooted earth is not a sign that moves a lot so yeah. earth people they like to hold on to things they like the the the, the feeling of ownership and they are less prone to changes okay so capricorns they are they like to be focused on material achievements again they are closer to aries than you would be to aries okay mm. so they are people who like security they like stability and also let me just make sure that i didn't miss anything um they are they are very loving that's what i know from my own experience with the people in my and very family oriented as well so they are 100% of what you mentioned 100% mm. of what you mentioned yeah it's really fascinating you you have inspired me to look more into it maybe we'll we'll have more discussion about it after the call <laughs> yeah things we cannot discuss on record <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it's fascinating and just to add to that now imagine that every place on the earth has is under a, a, a this kind of influence so every country has a personality that is based mm. on the element i come from a country that's an earth country but my element is a fire which means i need an environment which is more like moving fire is the most moving sign of all the uh, all the elements you have earth air water and the fire and fire is the so uh, if we look at that the earth is the 
most rigid element because earth never moves. The trees don't move when they are over the year or they have to stay rooted where they are. Then the second least moving element is the water because it only flows one direction, right? Mm. Or within a certain space. Now the um, air, it moves all the ways forward, backwards, you know, it's, it's much mm. more moving. Mm -hmm. And the fire, it can kind of absorb everything. So I was living in this um, in this uh, earth uh, element country in Slovakia, and I found it so rigid, and I felt like I cannot move. I was missing freedom over there, and kind of a space to move and explore. That's the reason why I had to leave the country and move to another country. And the the environment that works the best for me would be the air or the fire uh, kind of environments and countries. So I I. I function so really India? well with this kind of environment. I think India would be as well the fire element. Mm, that's one of the reasons I don't want to leave India. I see a lot of things <laughs> happening already. Yeah, I, I don't wish to leave yeah. India. What? Again, like I would want to travel and stuff, but we'll see. Yeah, just let it, me, give me a second. I just want to make sure I'm giving you right uh, information. Sure, sure, sure. And um, is this the reason I'm I'm really attracted towards moving to like one of the thoughts that I would want to move to UK probably. And that would really work for you, you know why? Because UK is an air country. Ah. It's very free flowing. So it is in line with your basically in your sign. And me as a fire sign, maybe if I because I have so much fire to my personality. If I've lived in a fire country, uh, there would be some kind of imbalance. So actually the fact that I live in an air country is balancing out all my fire. Mm. It kind of keeps it under control, but it fuels it. But uh, yeah, I, I could also kind of feel happy and at peace in a fire country, but I always felt a lack of movement, a lack of energy, a lack of freedom and a lack of independence in the earth country. Uh, in Slovakia because mm. it was so rigid, so stable, stagnant. Yeah, so I believe India is a fire country as well. So another question. So somebody who has uh, earth energy, wouldn't they feel like a little uh, imbalanced in a fire country? It could be like they would find it. And it also depends on what their other two signs are. If they would have oh, yeah. main yeah. element, which is the you know, which is an uh, earth, but the other two are fire, then mm. they are equally happy there because in terms of how they feel in that country, it would work, you know, with them. Um, but if somebody has too much of the, uh, say, um, stagnant signs um, or, or the combination of these signs and would be in an environment which is still moving, they would feel it. They would feel this resistance they would feel that something doesn't quite work for them. But also, you know, there are different ways of tackling with it. If you are in a country that seems to be so kind of changeable and mutable, such as an Aries, um, you can just find a place for yourself somewhere in the countryside where you feel you are rooted. And, and this is how people deal with that um, subconsciously often, not even knowing why they need it, why they do have those needs. Yeah, I remember. So I lived in Gurgaon, it's, it's like really close to Delhi. 
but mm-hmm. i felt the change of energy from where i'm living right now it's chandigarh in around punjab so i've lived here for 3 years in my graduation and then i moved to delhi and gurgaon for my work and all that stuff i lived there for about a year and i saw the difference in those two places i felt mm-hmm. like this was a little less moving and mm-hmm. that place was like too much movement like it was too fast I'm like i don't want that fast i want a little peace i want a little stability mm-hmm. so probably one of the reason maybe it was a fire fire city yeah and you know what? I, i do not like being in my hometown because i was mm-hmm. the way you were feeling you know you're telling me that uh, you always felt resistance and like non freedom kind of feelings in your hometown so mm-hmm. this place where i'm li- living right now feels like the right amount of uh, stability and movement i would want mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting in the meantime and i wonder whether this will surprise you i found what is the exact sign of india so i was right the element is fire under fire we've got three signs sagittarius leo and aries which one do you think india would be no idea it's a leo mm. and it doesn't even surprise me you know it's such a proud country with this rich proud history and if i even look at people how they act everyone who is indian they've got a certain amount of those leo qualities which i find mm-hmm. fascinating it's beautiful it's amazing to me you know it's it's, it's just amazing i was like that's why i'm so fascinated and kind of drawn to india as well because i love those leo qualities it's it's amazing and the fact is also the way you find architecture in certain countries it talks so much about that element so if you look at india and and throughout the history with the castles with the way that people liked living they exhibited those leo traits in india which is the pride the richness you know the kind of um, royal feel to it mm, which is mm. such an, a characteristic of the leo sign uh, now in the uk one of the we have two cities they have like absolutely amazing architecture to them and both of them are leo sign they are bath and bristol so mm. it's fascinating just how precise you know astrology could be yeah definitely amazing thing i'm going to use google a lot today after this conversation searching different things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay, so thank you so much for sharing all this. This was mm-hmm. really new. I'll, I don't know, I had a little bit of biases, like, you know, it's superficial and all that stuff. But then again, uh, since the last few years, I've learned how to be curious and not, you know, go under your biases. Mm-hmm. Anyway, really fascinating stuff. Thank you so much for sharing it. moving on uh, i would want to discuss a little bit about your coaching style your coaching clients and your coaching factors yeah it's also always fascinating so no matter how many new coaches i or new coaches or you know uh, previously established coaches or experienced coaches yeah. no matter how many coaches i talk to everyone has a certain different perspective to coach their clients locate to and all that stuff personally Uh, i am a little directive I, i do offer a little bit of mentorship and consulting in those coaching sessions mm-hmm. 
but i made sure you know what it's a coaching relationship so i'll not do that yeah. unless they ask for it unless they tell me yeah. they should tell me what do i do if they ask me then you yeah. know that the area where i suggest certain things mm-hmm. if they don't ask my first job is to you know what uh, tell me what would you what do you think you need to do at the moment mm-hmm. right yeah uh, what what's your approach how do you uh, so you, what are your areas of expertise in like coaching okay um so talking about expertise um it is very much linked with my personal experience so i found my niche based on what resonated so much with me like in my life um so my life has always been about transformation personal transformation transforming from a person who didn't trust in themselves who didn't even know who they were i i i had zero um, sense of personal identity when i was in my 20s i lost it after i was i think 10 year old so i transformed from this person to a person who now has a confidence in herself and who wants to live her life purpose to the fullest so my two um niche are a transformation and life purpose and i transfer this into coaching so i focus on um basically two as two niche area so i work with people who come to me um because they want to understand themselves better and they want to find confidence in themselves uh so it's very very broad but i i i coach individuals and and i specialize in kind of these two areas which is to help people to understand who they are and take then to take the most of themselves to live the richest life they can have and that would also mean that they are serving their life purpose because once we understand who we are we know what we have to do to be happy to be fulfilled to serve everyone around us and we know what the purpose of our life would be and basically that's what i do um and in terms of how close it is to your approach i would say probably the really very 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 close yeah um yeah. i'm i'm also the, the 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 type of a coach let's say who um likes to allow people to design their life as it is meant yeah. to be for themselves i don't yeah. believe in directive coaching but also as i said at the beginning i'm a combination of a consultant and a coach it's due to the curse of my career and uh part of the coaching that i also do is focus on people's professional life on their career mm. now within career coaching you have to be a consultant as well it's just because yep. you have an information about certain areas and markets more than those people do so that's where you are providing yeah. advice as well but when it comes to helping people to understand themselves i never allow myself to give them a certain plan or to propose how i would approach yeah. things unless really unless they seem not to understand where they should go and i give it in terms of another guidance like maybe try this or or to or to give them kind of my perspective on their situation i give an example of how i mm. would approach something as an example yeah. of, for them of what they can follow or as an example for them to create their own example and what i understood i think in the last 2 years uh, of coaching and something which i struggled with as a coach like deeply struggled with was that i had a sense when i began began coaching people i had a sense that i'm there as a person who is supposed to come into someone's life and help them solve their problems so this was my understanding of i'm a coach let me come to you and solve your problems 
What I understood yeah. is that this is the one thing I'm not supposed to do. And the reason why yeah. I have this frustration, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can relate to it, isn't it? <laughs> so what I what was transformational for me um, was understanding that this isn't my role and thinking that that was my role was making me unsuccessful. Mm. And also it was making me really frustrated because I wasn't able to achieve what I told myself I was meant to do with the clients because that was not my role in the first place. Like coaches are not yeah. supposed to solve their clients' problems. They are supposed to. So in my understanding, what my role is about is to help the person I work with to understand themselves. And once that they have understood themselves and they know who they are and um, they understand even the deeper causes of the problems that they are facing, then they can solve their problems. But again, whether they decide to solve their problem, it's their decision. It's not my decision. And it's not even my success or not whether they achieve those uh, goals because it's all their choice. My role is to help people to, to find, um, the, to, to give them the tools and to help them to, with those tools, to discover pathways of becoming stronger themselves. And again, whether they decide to do it, it's their choice. And once that they empower themselves enough, thanks to the guidance that I give them and the coaching that I give them, they can actually do, do anything that they want, but it's all yeah. their choice. And this is empowering because I know that I know what I'm giving the people. And in the end, it's their choice whether they decide to be successful, mm. whether they decide to go that pathway. You know, and also I think it's empowering for the clients because it makes them, it should make them understand that they are the ones in power. It's not that they come to coach who is giving them the power or you know, who is directing things for themselves. The coach yeah. is an instrument. So they have the so they have, let's say, the the uh, desire to continue. So, so they have an accountability partner who is there to support them, who is there to be there for them when they need it the most. Yeah. But at the same time, they are the ones fully empowered to design their lives as they want. So this is my so understanding. I, I actually love the way Coach Tony, Tony Stubblebine mentioned this. He is the founder of Coach.me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he mentioned that coaches are supposed to be vehicle of growth for others mm -hmm. and that's the whole job of it mm -hmm. it's just supposed to be a car for somebody who wants to go from one place to other that's it. Mm -hmm. they are driving the whole scene they are you know taking the whole direction and everything but you're just supposed to offer them the vehicle for the growth yeah 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 Absolutely. It has to do just as you said, the external tools. We are the external tool for somebody. Mm. Yeah. And eventually the answers and, are obviously in themselves. Absolutely. And I think in the end, it's also up to those people whether they decide to take that car we are given. Yeah, exactly. Or they if decide they want, to walk. Uh, <laughs> or at how much speed would they want to go on, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you so much, Lucy for doing this amazing conversation with me. Anybody who's watching and listening, I'm going to put her link in the description. You can go and check it out. And meanwhile, uh, first of all, I want to take one more moment and say thank you so much. This was such an amazing conversation. Super awesome. I loved it. And thank you for inviting me. 
most welcome and uh her is watching and listening uh, i'll see you in the next video bye bye